Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, Stomping Jen. Epis- oh my God, episode 88. Can you believe it? Can We've you believe made it? it to episode 88 and we have a great episode for everybody. I'm excited. We're going to be talking about Pride Month and other cool stuff, <laughs> I think, right? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And we have yes. two great guests with us. Yes, and I'm excited to get to our guests. The first guest. No, we're not going to say who oh, they are. Oh, we're it'll be a go. teaser. Okay. It's be a teaser. All right, here we go. All right. The Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy. Delicious ideas without the creepy truck. The creamiest ideas. Awesome. And there is no creepy truck, so nobody worry. I wish there were some creepy trucks. We went... Creamy ice cream trucks. Come down my road, please. We went to a wedding once where they had an ice cream truck come, and that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, Stomping Jen, we are here with two great guests to help us talk about pride month our first guest is guess guess our first guest is a person known as juicy d we'll say hello to him in a minute and our next guest is a local drag performer in western massachusetts named whores divorce i'm really excited to have both of these people here to say hello to us and to talk to us. Now, we will go first to Whores Divorce to say hello and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I'm Whores Divorce here from the Western Massachusetts area. Been here about 14 years. I do local shows in the area, including Bon Appetit Burlesque, Drag Brunch with Whores and Friends, and the Divorce Court Charity Drag Show. I'm also on the board of director and directors and the main stage host for Northampton Pride. Well, thank you for joining us, Whores. Um, it's going to take me a minute to get used to that. <laughs> you love saying that. Yeah, I do You're love like, saying it. You get this look on your face. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can't believe this is somebody's name and I get to say it. Yes. Um, no, thank you for joining us. Um, Really excited to have you on here, uh, mostly because I feel like I am. This is our first celebrity. I know you're. We went to see celebrity. your. We went to see your show um, <laughs> about. Go ahead. 
You went to my brunch show, right? Yes, yes. yeah. We went to the brunch yeah. show last a- summer. About this time last summer, and it was so much fun. So Yeah, we were child-free for a month, and we made it, at, we put it on our calendar. We were like, we're going to the drag brunch. We're so excited. Yeah, <laughs> so. That's way to come to drag brunch. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it was a great time. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to talk a little more about that later. And our next guest is Juicy D. Hello, Juicy. Hello, I do not have the same celebrity status <laughs> that Horace does. Um, I am a recovering sociology grad student, um, <laughs> getting over that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the noise for that. Um, but I am a queer black male living in a very, very white and uh, nominatively nominally uh queer space mm-hmm. um i live in a city that has one ish gay bar uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a while with zero and before that was one ish oh <laughs> um and you know, that's that's how i've lived most of my life um but i've gone around to find other queer spaces quite a bit mm-hmm. um and i think the dead giveaway for me is uh, I love cats. That's my mm. that's my thing. Show me cats, I'm happy. Well, How many cats do you have? <laughs> None. Uh, I have two cats. Okay. I have an old four. I have a 14 year old cat and a four year old cat. Oh, you... If I could, I would have a thousand more. But yeah, that's a two is a reasonable amount of cats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was a good starting point. And as soon as I have a house with enough space, it'll be like nine, and that'll be oh, fine. Oh, awesome. Yeah. He's my kind of peeps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Horse, do you have any pets? I have one dog and a husband. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a pet, as <laughs> like, um, Stomping Jen will attest. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, we have, a, we have a pod dog and three pod cats. Yes, um, if we, we're, we would have more cats, I think. Yeah, we would. But if we're <laughs> lucky, maybe one will make its appearance at some point. Yes. And we have two pod children who I don't think will make an appearance, but it's not out of the question. So. It's a true story. That. Yeah, well, thank you both um, for, again, for joining us. And I just want to say to our listeners, as I do at the beginning of every episode... Um, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. We're on Apple, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, all of them. We're even on Spotify. You can get us there, too. You can stream us there. Um, subscribe and um, download the episodes and tell a friend about us. Right, Stomping Jen? Yes, always tell a friend. Yes. Tell we want many to, friends. To spread the good word about the Soft Serve podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we talked about this before. It's Pride Month. It's Mm -hmm. June. And we were talking last week. Was it last week about the um, Supreme Judicial Court ruling on workplace protections for um, LGBTQ um, people? Was it last week or the week before? It happened last week. It was last week. It was like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. It was a good month for such a thing to happen. Yeah. In Pride Month. So, I, you know, I just wanted to ask the question, um, what Pride Month is? I wanted to ask um, whores, um, Juicy D, if you could tell, tell us, tell our listeners, talk a little bit about 
um, what Pride Month is and why we why we celebrate it now. If that if there's a reason why. Yeah. I'm um, hitting it to you, Dan. I just <laughs> say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing to note is that Pride Month is canceled and it's now Gay Wrath Month. Um, <laughs> so, so I just want I want to make sure that came through. It's it's Gay Wrath Month. Yes, gay wrath, as in out in the streets, <laughs> loud and proud. It's it's no longer just about being happy, but about demanding rights for everybody. Yeah. So taking the same energy that sort of started this all, um, and saying like, well, things have improved a little bit. Like it was, it's great to finally, after uh, you know, let's say four hundred years of this country being a thing, to no longer be allowed to fire a person because they're because of their sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more to the fights. Um, but to jump back, let's say, I guess the easiest way is to start Stonewall and then go earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. You're the uh, sociologist, were... right? So you can take us through this. You're the best yep. candidate to take us through this. Yeah, we're going to follow your lead on this. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to out anybody, but I'm not the only sociologist. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The same program. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the, the short version of this is that uh, in 1969, um, there were, to set the scene, um, there were gay bars all across um, the country, but they were relatively small in number. Um, they were underground. Uh, they were mostly run by the mafia, um, who found that they could profit off of, um, gay folks. Um, and they were routinely, uh, raided by the police and the police would do this because it was very legal to fire people. It was very legal to discriminate, um, in terms of housing, in terms of pretty much everything. And the police would do that. These were the bottom rung. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't fight an arrest. <laughs> you wouldn't fight tickets um, that you got. And what they would do is they would go into the bars, they would round up everybody, they would put, um, have them stand outside, line them up so that the press could take pictures and could out all of these people um, and destroy their lives. And there was a bar um, in New York. It was the Stonewall Inn. Um, they mostly served... Um, people who were poor, there was drag queens, um, some of whom were performers, some of them I think we would now call transgender or trans um, trans folks. Um, so these were you know, the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one beautiful, amazing person, um, Marsha P. Johnson, um, as the story goes through the first brick in that riot, but um, it occurred when the police came in and um, they started to pull, to start dragging people out, um, including um, there was a lesbian who was being dragged out. Um, and they started to fight back. They said, we've had enough of this. Um, so they beat the cops, threw them out of the bar, blockaded the bar. <laughs> um, and all of this was happening at a really contentious time. There was a lot of energy because a lot of people were tired of being continually harassed and beaten by the police, sometimes murdered by the police. Uh, This should sound familiar if you're living Mm -hmm. in the US now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That there was a lot of this anger and a lot of this frustration and it all sort of boiled out. Um, And so 
At first, it was just the people who were barricaded within the bar. As the police response came in, so did the resident response and all of the people who lived around this bar. And they started to show their numbers, which were much larger than the uh, the cop numbers. And Juicy, what city was this in again? I'm sorry New if you York. said oh, New York. Okay. okay, New York City. Yeah, New York City. <laughs> Pay attention, uh, yeah. Salty. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think I said it. That's my bad. No, you <laughs> did because I I heard you. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, maybe I did. <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. Um, but that they pushed the police out, and for days there were riots. Um, this was, I believe, it was four days. Four days, three days, four days. Um, but where they were tipping over cars, lighting them on fire, every time the police pushed in, the the queer people of that space would push back um, until finally things calmed down. Um, but the idea was this was the birth of gay liberation. So before that, there was the homophile movement, um, which in terms of like a, in terms of civil rights was sort of pretty tame. Mm -hmm. Um, they would still hold pickets and protests and they would say things like, please stop, please stop hitting us with batons. Um, the gay liberation movement pushed a little beyond that Mm -hmm. and started saying, no, fuck this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and very much that it's not just, we aren't just meek. We are strong. We are a large group of people and we are tired of all of this. Um, so we are demanding equality across the board. Uh, which was a radical thing to say. Yeah, and and I think as a as a um, cis male um, like heterosexual person who came up in our you know systemic um, white educational system, I never heard of this um, event until right until I got to college and began taking classes on a campus where there was a Stonewall Center, for example. And I was exposed to some education about this. I mean, I, nary, mm-hmm. nary a whisper in yeah. my 18 years of life prior to that of anything ab- about this that um, that LGBTQ folks had to have, you know, a, um, a revolution of some sort to begin even, you know, having the conversation like that. In, or raise awareness that of, of the fact that um, there's this kind of oppression going on. I mean, I got lucky. Um, so I have or had uh, two gay uncles who were pretty radical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got an education both from knowing that they existed and everything that they dealt with. And my mother, who was pretty aware that I was not straight <laughs> from an early age and went like, all right, here's, here's your history. Yeah. See, that is like, I, I had the same experience as a. Sawtooth. And that I, you know, I grew up in the South on military bases throughout the country. I didn't have any experience with gay history whatsoever. So I was 18 going to college, learning those same things. Like what? Mm-hmm. Yes, we can fight back. Mm-hmm. I was so used to hiding that, you know, that kind of knowledge that those spaces and those moments have existed is really important to queer youth. Yeah. Now did, um, did discovering that help you in some way in your own life in terms of um, 
how you saw yourself in the world and did it did it did it make you feel stronger having learned about that movement i think for me pride in general even what pride has become in some places which is kind of a corporate garbage mess um pride in general is helpful because it helps you see people like you like if i was a little kid going to northampton pride and i saw a bunch of people a bunch of different shapes and sizes and colors and ages, it would make me feel so good just to know yeah. that, you know, yeah, there's this 65 year old person here. I'm only 10 right now, but someday that could be me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have those role models growing up. I thought I was going to die young and I thought it was going to be a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Now did Stonewall, did the, did the actions at the Stonewall Inn in 1969 spill out beyond New York City? Did they help um, embolden um, LGBTQ people in other parts of the country stand up and demonstrate? And I'm just curious if that and yeah. if that helped. Was it yeah, was I it mean, an igniter? Yeah, I think. Um, Stonewall was sort of at the the top, like the acme point of all of the frustration, but there were plenty of protests and actions and even riots before that. So the Compton Cafeteria riots happened a couple of years before that. Um, That's in um, California. And they were um, literally, it was a drag queen hitting a a police officer in the face with a a mug. Mm Uh, with a coffee mug. <laughs> so, and that, that sparked all of the, um, all of the riots there. And that was, again, a neighborhood where all of the queer people, poor people, um, people of color had been shoved into subpar living conditions where they were constantly being harassed, um, constantly being um, beaten by the police, arrested for little or no cause, um, having economic, like there were no economic opportunities because you could just, fire someone for whatever you wanted to. Um, and this is something that had been going on for years. Um, I mean, if we go back even, even before World War I, there were groups that had organized around queer rights and gay rights. Uh, some of them were a little more, or not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Some of them were boys clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was the Mattachine Society that was really white gay men um, with money. Um, and they had their own set of concerns. Um, the, when lesbians tried to join or wanted to join, they got told no. So they made their own daughters of, um, oh God, what is it? Uh, daughters of Belial? Daughters of uh, something. Oh, I should know my history better. Um, <laughs> but they founded their own club. <laughs> cut that part out. Oops. Uh, Horace, do you know? <laughs> I got you. Yep. Your history is already so much better than my history. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, um, the, that was at the apex of it. There were all of these other actions, all of these other groups that were concerned about it. And a lot of them sort of linked the same ideas that we do now um, with class, race, sex, um, the um, gender and transgender issues, gender nonconforming issues, um, marriage, adoption, and then really focusing on like youth, um, youth problems. So bullying, um, harassment, um, youth, uh, homelessness, which is a big issue and always has been, 
because parents will look at their child and say, this one thing about you makes me angry or mm -hmm. scared or whatever it is, and they'll disown them. And this is something that, that queer people have dealt with, at least here forever. Yeah. Um, and so all of these issues, the like people were continuing to mobilize, but like there was just that moment. Um, if we want to make a current analogy, George, George Floyd's death Mm -hmm. And the reaction that people had immediately mm -hmm. to that, it's the same thing. It's that it's all of the frustration that we've been venting sort of unleashed at once in one loud roar. And sure. it rippled across. Sure. Um, so not only did Stonewall occur, but there were also other actions. There was a lot of political organizing. There was a lot of just, just demands um, being made across the board. And that's where we get to the, the next pride and the celebration, which was a protest. It was very much just a, we are here, here are our numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's our list of demands. Mm -hmm. So, Right, but even when we think about those first prides, we don't think about them in the same way we do today. You know, Northampton had a very strong history of people marching with bags over their heads because they were afraid of being persecuted. They were afraid of things happening to them. And even post Stonewall, you see things like the upstairs lounge in Louisiana, a gay bar that the police or whoever sets ablaze with everyone inside, barring people from leaving, and like these huge massacres that right. continue to exist as we start to protest and riot and really fight back. Yeah. There's, there's no shortage of, uh, of problems that have continued. So Pride, um, was originally a protest. It was originally an action meant to confront and disrupt. Um, its existence is still important because there are still those same problems mm -hmm. um, yeah. all across the board. So yeah. even though we do have things to celebrate, it's the fight's not over. No. Yeah, and I, I was I was thinking about that right about some of the progress that has been made. You know, I think in the last you know, 10 years with the Supreme Judicial Court rulings about um, validating same-sex marriage, the recent um, ruling uh, about um, civil and human rights in the workplace, how yeah. we can't, you know, fire was, people for being gay. What I was going to say, though, is... It was on the backs of terrible news about health insurance. Right. And, uh, you know, yes. gender lines and all of that, you know, like... Yeah, and I'm so glad, it's like steps forward and then like steps right. backwards I'm all glad, the time. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because one one of the one of one of the questions I think that I wanted to ask was, we we see these big stakes in the ground that say you know progress has been made, right? And you know people who people who are only uh, maybe tangentially concerned might think, well, you know, time to dust off the hands and we're done here, right? What else? I mean, what else? What else is there left to do in terms of um, continuing to move the needle towards, you know, full equality? Oh God, there's so much. <laughs> it's such a big question, right? Yep. Because it varies very largely by region. You know, if I'm in a state that just outlawed gay adoption, which happened what two weeks ago? I don't remember the state: Tennessee, Kentucky, one of those states. Tennessee. Tennessee. I think my, my fight is, doesn't feel the same from where I'm at in Massachusetts, but it is the same fight. And, you know, our trans community is so vulnerable right now. Yeah. They're fighting so many legal and 
political battles that everyone needs to support them on. Mm-hmm. Like we call ourselves the LGBTQ plus community now. And I feel like that community really needs to rally together behind trans lives, especially behind black trans lives who are the most vulnerable yes. of any population. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Uh, juicy. I just want to echo that all of those fights Uh, When you look back at who is on the forefront, it is trans women of color, it is trans men, it is um, queer people of color that are out on the forefronts of pretty much every social movement in terms Mm -hmm. of progress that has been made. And they are still the most vulnerable, but they also do, they're able to see all of the connections because all of these forces of oppression are on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it makes it, very salient, whereas some of us have privileges that sort of make that invisible or less real. Um, you know, where I feel pretty comfortable walking outside holding my partner's hand. Mm-hmm. And he loves to do that. I hate it because it's sweaty hands. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if we're walking around here, I feel pretty, com- pretty confident, pretty comfortable, right? right? And in most places um, in this area. But there have been times where I've traveled and been like, oh, maybe, maybe we don't want to do that right now. Like mm-hmm, looking right. around the area real quick and seeing, you know, but I mean, we are an interracial and queer couple. That is, <laughs> right. that is a double on some people's lists. So like remembering that it's, glo- it's well, it's both regional here and a, like globally, it's an yeah. issue. Yeah. Was So this, I have a question. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned uh, this like group that existed for white gay men um, that excluded lesbians back in before World World War One. So, is there like um, uh, these separations and these like categories within the LGBTQ plus community where they look down upon each other, or there's like this like in, you know. I'm better than you because I'm white and gay and opposed to all of oh, that other. That is a great oh, question. You know, gay people grow up in the same shitty system that we all grow up in. Yeah. They are, you know, through sometimes no fault of their own racist, transphobic, homophobic, sexist. These things very much exist in the gay community. And, you know, especially in the white gay community mm-hmm. and especially, Especially in the white gay male community. I think, uh, you know, the purveyors of the most judgment and criticism against their own kind of community is white gay males because they operate from this place of privilege. And I say this as a white passing gay male, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I, (laughs) not gay male. I don't know. It's just, it's a complicated, fucked up situation. Yeah. I can Am imagine. I not the person here? I didn't ask beforehand. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. absolutely. You can. Yeah. What yeah. was that? Uh, he uh, asked if he could curse. Oh. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, they asked if they could curse. Yes. Sorry. Um, it's. I just called yep. myself a gay male, so I don't even know where I'm at today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and again, it for me, it for me, it, it underscores, um, you know, the, the need for consciousness around, yes. you know, um, you know, respecting people's identity and how right. they, how, you know, right. how they want to be seen in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So my apologies. 
Well, it's funny too, because yeah. like we've talked about this, I think before previously, I'm not mm -hmm. sure in what context, but yeah. this idea that um, this gender fluidity, while it might be not a new, new idea, but over the last, um, I don't even know, 10 years, I can't even tell you how long, where it's been more, I don't want to, I hesitate to use the word acceptance, but like it's much more of a, a, not, a newer type of language for people that we've been exposed to as a society that is easier for children, I think, to very quickly adapt to as opposed to people like us in our 40s where it's like a new language that we have to learn um, this, this like idea about gender as fluidity and mm -hmm. non-binary as a concept. Yeah. You're not alone. Right. We're learning it all together. I right. just came up with non-binary like two weeks ago and it, the language for it, I don't even think existed for me when mm -hmm. I was younger. So we're all learning in this together. Right. Yeah. And um, I want to say congratulations. Um, is I have a, I have another acquaintance who a, a few months, many months ago um, came out um, as non-binary and you know, I had never had that conversation with another person before. And I just, I just said, I'm going to expose my vulnerability here. I don't know if I should say congratulations to you. I want to. And they said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling, you know, proud about this and that's why I'm telling you and sharing it. And yeah. So yeah. Right. Yeah. But a moment. you're coming into your own skin in a way, like you're really yeah. feeling who you are for the first time. And I will say thank you for that. Congratulations every single time. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. But, but like my larger point was yeah. like, you know, like, like I feel like our kids, like, you know, if, if there's a, a, a friend of theirs who decided I want to be referred to as they, them, it's so much easier, I think, for the children to like get that and, and to correct us when we say it incorrectly. Yeah. You know, it's. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. No, I think, I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, you know, I, I think, I think children, I mean, for the most part, I don't want to generalize children, but right. I think in my experience anyways, children are pretty open mm -hmm. to new ideas if they're in an environment where they can explore them and consider them in a kind of non-threatening way. Right. Right. And they're not having, um, uh, competing ideas pushed upon them. Right. Yeah. In, in a way that they think they have to accept those competing ideas. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I wanted to mention like the idea though of gender, um, fluidity or even, um, uh, a, a non-binary type mm -hmm. of gender is not a new idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's as ancient. No, yeah. It's as ancient as human civilization itself, right? We just happen to live in a society that that values binary, dichotomous thinking. You know, right. God, God, the devil. You know, black, white, right, right Good, wrong. Bad. Everything has to be categorized into a binary, including... And put people into buckets. Yeah, including gender and sexual preference. You know, I think mm. um, it's that, you know, it, it's that kind of, uh, I'll call it Judeo-Christian need to categorize everything as either... Well, is it Judeo-Christian or is I, it just... That's just what I'm calling it. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I blame everything on the Judeo Christians. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that that that's so that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, one of the things is there. Can you think of a can you think of a a way to help people who might struggle with that concept that um, gender might be something other than you know, male and female, um, you know, get them to a place where they can think that maybe there, there, there is something else, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't have any experience educating in this space. So I'm, I'm asking that question kind of, um, from a naive point of view. I mean, I'll say from teaching these kinds of things to, um, undergraduates at a large university. Uh, I don't think there's anything that works super well. If people are resistant to it, they are going to resist. If you give them information, um, they tend to sort of dig their heels in. (laughs) Um, A lot of times it falls into this idea of like, well, there's a biological sex because that's what I learned about in elementary school, middle school, high school. And that's true. And I think our responsibility is to sort of, first off, disentangle sex and gender. Right. right? So sex is more on the biology and gender is about the roles and the meanings that that takes, but also to bring social sciences into critique biology and its, its understanding. And biology's already done that, right? So when someone says there are two sexes, there are so many more than two mm-hmm. sexes all across the animal kingdom. Yeah. But even within a human being, yeah. there are six different types of sex that can be measured. You have nuclear sex, you have a chromosomal sex, you have an endocrinolo- endocrinological sex, you have a nuclear sex, um, you have... Um, I like the physical- sound of nuclear sex. <laughs> it is not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> In your cells. Yeah. Um, but all of these different things that don't actually have to match in an individual human being. Um, we're finding out a lot more about how chromosomal sex does not match what you physically manifest as, especially in women, because they tend to be the ones who seek out infertility treatment. And one of the things they test for is which chromosomes you have. And we found out that there are so many women living with male chromosomes who identify as female They've lived their lives as it. It's what works for them. It's everything else in their body screams it, but this one thing. Mm-hmm. So it, I think I did the math out. You need 36 genders to encompass all of the, or 36 sexes to encompass all of these different combinations of things um, or more. And we're at a point where we really have to say, like, this binary doesn't work <laughs> for anybody. Right. Um, and in pe- terms of getting people on board with it i usually just say think of it like a nickname if somebody says hey call me this no one seems to have a lot of problem right um yeah that, that's my i mean and, and for people who are like in the moment having a problem don't make a big deal about your mistake like if you misgender someone correct yourself immediately, move on with the conversation. Like no one wants to hold your gender hand while you weep gender tears about you misgendering <laughs> someone. Yeah. Like, we don't want to have to do the work for you. So if 
you call me he and I say, oh, actually, it's they, then you come back with the same sentence and say they. That's all you have to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Stomping Jen? Hi. <laughs> you're throwing yeah. me off because you're looking at me searchingly like you want yeah. me to like come up with the next thing. <laughs> no, I'm, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm processing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think s- people are so obsessed with genitals. Oh, my God. Well, I read, uh, I'm sure yeah. there's more books on the topic, but I know I read um, Years Back, Intersex by Jeffrey. You, yeah, that was popping Eugene. in my mind a few minutes ago, now too. I can't say the name. Yeah. Um, but that was like an eye-opening book that there were so many people who were born and then the choices made for them by a doctor. Like, oh, yeah. look, there's a penis and it's, right. there we go. <laughs> like, yeah, or whatever, you know. I mean, like, or we're going to, you know, we're going to make right. the genitals we think this person should have. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now... <laughs> <laughs> that's all we have to say on that topic let's yeah. move on no well i you know and and I, and I was i was thinking about the idea where i wanted to go with the idea that people are so obsessed with genitals and how that should be reflected in clothing mm-hmm. toys wallpaper right pillow color like you know we you know, I remember. You know, we our, our first um, our first child um, we had was was a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, our second um, child, um, her sex is a female, and I remember we made like really deliberate attempts. Like we're going to not give um, her everything that's pink. We're not going to do all the stuff like that you do for a, you know, uh, doing air quotes here, a girl baby. Um, you know, uh, let her play with the boy toys and vice versa for our son and all of that. Um, but still like the societal pressure, like from, you know, um, the, the daycare and all of that stuff, like, mm-hmm. She just wanted all of that girl stuff, you know, oh, and it her girl her girly phase. Yeah, and it just it was so strong, and and I remember us, but I remember us making a deliberate choice to try not to push that, you know. But it's and still my favorite color is black, so yeah. <laughs> so we did something. I right? don't know. I don't <laughs> know if that's true, but no. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if there's a right or a wrong either, because she could. Be as girly or not girly as she wants to be, and same for our son. Yeah. I mean, but that's the right answer, right? You, they can be as girly or as not girly yep. as they want to be. My right. parents tried to do something similar, where I had to play with boy toys. I needed to play sports. Man, that was successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I still loved my My Little Ponies. I would go over to my neighbor's house and play with their Barbies, but I would also play with my He-Man and my mm-hmm. Thundercats or whatever. You know, kids are going right. to make up their minds whatever messages they get or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at me again. Yeah. I like to look at you. You have good ideas. Oh, I do? Yes, you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
you're getting stuck. You have like yeah. a list of questions. I know. Why I feel like there's more to say about that. Well, um, well then say more. Yeah. Um, Did you feel as a child that you were engendered upon? Me? Oh, for sure. Um, I have to be careful here. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I got, I got message, you know, I got messages, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, if I acted too feminine or I, you know, if God forbid I acted in a way, you know, that was, you know, I'm going to say this cause it's not, they're not my words, you know, they're act in a way that was gay or looked girly, you know, I would get thrown through a window, mm-hmm. that type of stuff, you know? Um, so, you know, for a, I mean, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, and I'm, and I'm not a particularly masculine person. You know, <laughs> I, I have a, ver- that's true. I have a very slight bone structure, <laughs> you know, um, he's a delicate bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh <laughs> yeah um you know but I, I, yeah what was the question <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst why am i the worst i don't know <laughs> what were you asking me i i said did you feel engendered upon as a child yeah absolutely a hundred percent you know i think um so there was like the in-home stuff the in-home pressures right and um there, there were the social pressures too. Like, you know, I, I grew up in the the seventies and eighties and, you know, it was okay to be openly, um, openly homophobic. I mean that, I think that's how at the time I, my observation would be that, um, any questions or concerns about a person's, you know, gender expression would be expressed. It just in, you know, straight out virulent homophobia. You know, like that person is an F word or, you know, whatever, you know, that's, that was my experience. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's um, interesting. Like where I grew up, there wasn't, um, a lot of openness around LGB. I can't, sorry. Yeah. It's like such a long acronym. that I always forget the letters LGBTQ. Um, there wasn't a lot of openness around that topic in the area I grew up in at yeah. all. Um, but I remember, like, in high school, like, there was a rumor that I was a lesbian. Yeah. How but did I you wasn't. Feel, how like, did you I, feel but I didn't that? care. Right. Right? Like, so I didn't <laughs> care, but I wasn't. Yeah. I don't know why people thought that, though. Right? That's crazy. In high school, there was a rumor I was a big old queer, too, but <laughs> that was... <laughs> in elementary school, in middle school, in high school... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, like, I don't think I would have known, you know, I was a very, like, late bloomer when it came to oh, that's true. to my own sexuality. That is true. I mean, it's no mistake, you know, like, I, I've talked about this on this podcast before, you know, um, stomping Chen, Jen is the virginity stealer, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but, but I, I mean, I think in these conversations, like, it's, I think it's, it's important you know, to be, for me anyways, to be honest about that yeah. stuff, like not every, not every male is, you know, a sexual conqueror in their teens and twenties. You know, I, I, you know, I didn't know. And maybe, you know, maybe a lot of that, um, maybe a lot of that was grounded in fear of even exploring what my identity was because I lived in such a, 
um, fearful environment, right? Yeah. So I don't know that, that. I don't know. I feel like I brought that up because it was more predominantly like, you know, back in the eighties and the nineties, you know, nineties when I was in high school yeah. and it just wasn't, it wasn't like a thing that I think the, the needle has moved in such a direction that it's not as the kids today, while there's still obviously still lots of bullying and, um, discrimination that occurs in that community i just think that it's not the needle has moved in a direction where it's not people people are more willing to come out maybe it's just the area that we live i think also like you said it's regional too you know i grew up in new jersey you know and now we live here so i, I see that all around us we live in a pretty quote unquote progressive yeah. little bubble here in the, yeah. in the valley but it was interesting right i wrote this down too juicy when you were talking about that there was one bar or one space queer space in the valley or in in northampton particularly is there more than in the valley itself or is it just the one or there's two a, like there's a strip club in springfield yeah <laughs> that's yeah what we got. yeah it, there were there were a few more um, earlier. So like when I was sort of just at the age where I could, well, not quite, just at the age that I would sneak into bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I looked like I was 38 since I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> me for a while. Yeah. Like just, um, but there were like, it was all stars in Springfield mm-hmm. and that would go. Mm-hmm. Um, there was divas in Northampton. Yeah which, you know, was a nice little, I mean, it advertised itself. It said like, this is where the gays are. Right. But all stars closed. Uh, Divas is closed. Yeah. A lot of the places um, that were around didn't survive. Yeah. And so now we're, we're pretty reduced. Yeah. Even, yeah. even though, even though there is such a seemingly large community of people who support who are supportive of that. There's, I mean, there's a lot of different weight, like there's a lot of different roles that gay bars served mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, it was a bar and it was a place to go out at night, but it right. was also a place to meet and see other people in a safe place. Right. It was at a time when you couldn't date someone openly yeah. or you couldn't, um, you know, have a relationship at all. It was a place to still find sexual release. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of bars, it was a place to organize mm-hmm. as well. Um, and as the internet has changed things, yeah. um, including how people meet each other, that's yes. one aspect of it. Um, but there's also, in Northampton, you're not going to find a lot of bars that say no gays. Right. So it's um, not like that there's not a gay bar. It's just that there are bars, right? Right. Even you though... say that. Oh, no. wrong. So, like... You need queer spaces mm-hmm. to feel safe. If I go to the tunnel bar yeah. and I'm feeling with my friends, I feel relatively safe until the bro who's had too many martinis tries to like say something homophobic. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's people say this thing in Northampton and it makes me crazy because I'm from the South. They yeah. say every bar in Northampton's a queer bar. And I'm like, fuck you. It's, right. not, it's right. not the same thing at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not, about it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not active discrimination 
in a lot of like from the establishments themselves a lot of times at least in the patrons that come in but even the events that they hold or right. what they'll allow to happen in that bar right um, is going to change or in that space in that event space is going to change yeah um, yeah so it does serve a real purpose there is a super i don't know how to describe it that there's a different energy when you walk into a space and you know these are all my people right it feels safe yeah it just feels safe i do most of my shows in vfws and god bless them for having me mm -hmm. but i don't feel safe there yeah. yeah like i walk through the main bar of the vfw on the way to my banquet hall i have to meet these judgmental yeah from old dudes who are like why is this queer here? I'm in full track walking through right. the BMW, making them a bunch of money, but it's it's not the same as if I walk into the Majestic Saloon in downtown Northampton. I'm like, oh, hey, my people are here. Right. Yeah. And is there, I think I heard this somewhere or in like some show I was watching where like it really is problematic when a bunch of, you know, a, um, whores, probably for some of the reasons you mentioned before, but when a bunch of, you know, stray people show up and try to crash, you know, what is a queer space? That, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I love to handle straight people who misbehave in queer spaces. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. But yeah, it's really problematic yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, then, I can, then I can imagine you get into issues around um, uh, uh, fragility you know, like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you want to call it straight fragility or what, what the right term for it is. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think no straight person could, could argue that there aren't enough spaces out there for, for us in the world. No, right. Straight people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that they were, there were the group that, uh, they held their straight pride parade in Seattle, all one of them. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, Asian khaki pants. Oh like, my God. You can tell he had no gay friends because someone would have said, "Why do you look like that?" <laughs> yeah, little, have a little fun. It's supposed to be a celebration, and all you did was come out in sand-colored pants. Yeah. <laughs> 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 have you been to the the basement? What is the the name of that? Uh, it's like monthly, right? They have a. Uh, well, the the basement is. Um, it's just the bar in Northampton. Yeah. Um, but they have all sorts of different nights. They have uh, one night that's um, sugar biscuit. That's yeah, a sugar beer. biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. So they do that. They do a number of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a nice space. Mm -hmm. And when you walk in there, it's mostly queer people, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also in a weird place because it's right next door to the police department. Oh, yeah. Northampton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that whole system of bars is owned by some predatory people that yes. a lot of us boycott. Yes, I know who that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, I used to work many years ago when I was in school. I worked oh, for we'll that. Just, we'll just call them that real estate developer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a times. sure thing we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> no, let's just it leave it at that. <laughs> But even even in those spaces, when you're talking about like, you know, straight people being there, mm -hmm. that there were clearly people who, like every time that I've gone, there are clearly people who are straight and who have decided that they were just going out for the night and went to that bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and instead of being like a really fun, energetic, like, 
look, here are all these different expressions. Here's someone who's got like a ton of makeup on and they look fabulous and I want to talk to them. All of a sudden you're really conscious of the fact that people are taking pictures and you're not, mm, not like, safe. it's not taking like a selfie, like really happy with you. It's taking a picture of you. Like you're yeah. on display. Yeah. And that really changes the feeling yeah. where it's like, I did get dressed up to be seen, but I got dressed up to be seen and appreciated by the people that I right. know and like right. not, not to be an animal on display. Yeah. yeah. It's fucked up. Do you think, um, sorry, just to get back, cause you mentioned the internet. Um, so I know I once went out with, um, three gay gentlemen, friends of mine, and I got a schooling on grinder <laughs> <laughs> by them. Yeah, They were, uh, they, they were sure to tell me all about it. And, all the people around me that were like checking I, out the grinder app and i was like oh i don't know what you guys are talking i feel about. like i missed an awesome conversation oh my god yeah it was ridiculous um is that something that has changed uh or is that like a complimentary thing to like having queer spaces because i've heard that you know i heard really clearly when you were saying that those spaces are um you know vital and important um safe spaces but is that like something that has changed the dynamic where um, uh, it, it's not needed, quote unquote, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but is that something? Yeah, I mean, the, there's a <laughs> plethora of, like the internet changed dating for everybody, right? But especially for people who were sort of on the margins because mm-hmm. it was a way to connect with people who you didn't know, right? There was no like easy way if you're walking down the street to know um, if somebody was part of your community or not. Right. Grinder, Jacked, Hornet, Scruff, Growler. Hornet. Man. Yeah, Hornet. <laughs> I like I like that name, Hornet. Uh, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Also jacked. Um, yeah, all of those different things. They do essentially the same thing, which is that they tell you how close someone is to you mm-hmm. um, and give you information about, about them. Some, I mean, it could be for dating. It could be for a hookup. It could mm-hmm. be for one that leads into the other, however it is. Um, but it did make it easier. If, if you were only going to a gay bar just to, to cruise and find somebody, mm-hmm. um, that, that would fill that role for you. But I think right. it does go a lot more that people were still looking for a way to meet up with friends and to dance and to just feel like part of a group. Right. Um, but there is a, yeah, there's, there's a lot of facts. A lot of it is also, I mean, bars weren't the only place that people would have sex or would look to, Like there were all sorts of cruising spots mm-hmm. um, all over that you would find out about. This just made it a little bit easier and you could avoid those because they were still dangerous too. Yeah. 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 I, I also worked in retail and there was, I worked at a Macy's and the oh, men's yeah. bathroom in Macy's was a known hotspot for activity. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and I think that, that, I think that speaks maybe somewhat to the, you know, privilege mm-hmm. that is pervasive in in our in our society for you know um straight people who don't have to you know don't have to don't have to worry about you know where they might be able to get together right um or um 
Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't know who you're trying it's to say. Easier, right? Like everywhere you yeah. go, there's potential straight people that you could potentially hook right. up with a date. Yeah. Or as you know, if I'm in a room, I don't know who's there. They're not mm-hmm. like signaling their homosexual light. Or, you know, it's like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I missed out though on this internet dating stomping gin you want an internet date go ahead no i don't want to i'm just saying i feel like i, I missed you feel out. like you missed the boat go ahead because we started we started dating in 1996 is that true yeah oh my God. i mean We're before so the, before there was even an internet <laughs> there, there was still aol chat rooms in oh no 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 no, 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 no. no i didn't even it didn't know. really exist there were like it, at large university you had to go up into the library tower all the way to like the 15th floor and they had these little carousels where they had this like intranet that you could like access. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Oh, old people. Pre-internet. Yeah. yeah. So. How do you make that noise? Which. <laughs> oh, I don't have that sound effect. <laughs> um, oh boy. We've gotten away from the topic. Yeah. So queer spaces it's important that we respect them right and not not crash them or go to check them out just because right as like a is it okay if you're going along you know with a friend or you're invited right it depends on the space and it depends on how you're behaving (laughs) yeah so like at my brunch show for instance i think there's three kinds of people who come Mm -hmm. there's the people who are queer and are like, yes, brunch, we need this. This is like a church experience for us. There's the people who are just like curious about it, but in a respectful way. And then there's the Beckys who come with their bridal shower, who get so drunk and try to dance on the other dancers Mm -hmm. and try to like be part of the show. And you just don't want to be the Beckys from the bridal shower. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not that person and you're respecting the space, to me, it's a welcoming environment. Yep. In whores, I think if 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 I'm remembering correctly from attending your show, you address that right up front, kind of at the beginning of the show. Like you're you're very straightforward about that. Yeah, with everything I do, I make sure the audience knows the rules because I can't assume that anyone's ever been to a show before and I can't assume that whoever's show it was taught them the right thing to do. Because there's a lot of bad information out there. So we talk about consent. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only in like interactions with each other, but in interactions with our performers, because consent is always, always, always important. Yeah. Now, for for people who may not know, I think most people think they know what drag is, right? They have an idea in their head about what it is. But I wanna, I wanna ask somebody who does this um, as a, as a as an artist. You know, what is it? What is drag? I think there's also a lot of ways to think about drag. Yep. Um, some of them I very much disagree with, and some of them I'm mm. all for. But drag for me is mm. an exaggerated presentation of gender. It's about creating a character who has kind of like a backstory and a, a personality and takes these things that we take for granted in society and throws a little glitter on them, makes them five times as big as they should be, and just really takes society's gender norms and critiques them while playing with them. Um, Juicy, do you have any experience doing um, 
drag performance. Are, are you, have you ever done that? Um, I would say I've done cross-dressing before, mm-hmm. um, usually as part of a costume, but not necessarily a full drag performance where I've created the character and gone out. Um, I have absolutely no problem wearing a dress or uh, wearing nails, doing makeup, anything like that. Um, just as regular as like my presentation for the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I will wear heels if I can find ones that fit. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. Both I am fat and large. So. <laughs> um, What's your shoe size? Uh, oh, uh, 14 double wide in men's. Mm, yeah. See, I'm a 12 and a half double wide. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, whores, you struck me as a tall person when I saw you, but I don't know if that was because of the heels. How how tall are you outside of heels? The heels grow me by about eight inches. Oh so my I'm only five ten. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I think I have the smallest feet here. <laughs> no, but like like uh heels. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Those are platforms, right? Yeah, Please tell me they're platforms. So okay, good. Basically, like wearing a four-inch heel, but they're eight inches. All right, thank you. Because I was gonna say that would be killer on your calves. Oh my god, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's great. Now, when when I went to your show, I I went in cold. Like I had never been to a drag performance. I didn't know what to expect, and I was. Um, surprised with the lip syncing aspect of it like i thought people were going to be singing live so yeah so i wanted <laughs> juicy <laughs> i could see the the, the, the disappointment for me yeah so i wanted to ask that is is drag always this type of lip synced um performance is it sometimes sung live lip sync is a heavy component of drag singers uh we have you know stand-up comedians we have people who do performance art it's drag is a very versatile art form um i think most people would say that lip syncing is the dominant part but i don't lip sync and i'm still in drag yep right yep and you're you um but you were emceeing you play the role of as the um the host the host and the comedian and the Yes. And people at my shows, they like to come up to me all the time and go, so when are you going to start performing? And I'm like, motherfucker, I've been performing for three hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it by my performance on this podcast, but hosting is hard stomping, Jen. Um, I feel like I'm floundering today. Um, I told you I'm starstruck. Um, uh, whores. That's what, that's what it is. Um, um, so what else did I want to ask about that? Um, so do you do you have a good sense about the history of drag and like how it how it came to be as an art form or where it kind of sprung up from or juicy if you know i mean i'm curious if either of you know you were shaking your head juicy i saw you that was a yes (laughs) i was gonna defer to the performer but also give like the bland (laughs) the bland version of the history as i know it too do it um, yeah, so drag has been around forever in all sorts of different ways. You just didn't call it drag. So um, you had people who were performing um, both 
embodying some form of gender divergence or gender nonconformity, but in a performing way. I want to differentiate mm -hmm. two things. One is that there's trans people who live an experience, um, uh, and then there's the drag performer who is just changing their gender for the night, the night, the day's performance, the afternoon brunch, um, whatever it is. That that those are two very different things. Um, and a lot of times there's a lot of language, right? Language changes. Um, if you go back to the, the eighties or even back further into the fifties and the forties, you would hear drag, um, a lot, but a lot of times those people were what we would consider trans now and they would identify as trans if they had that vocabulary, but they mm -hmm. didn't. So it was just drag, mm -hmm. um, but okay. you have just the performers who have been around, for since the Greeks, right, in various right. ways and for various reasons. Right. Sometimes it was because um, there were women uh, parts for women that weren't allowed to be played by women, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, right? Like that that mm -hmm. goes through. But you also had um, people who just enjoyed doing it, um, mm -hmm. who were sort of living through an experience, being what they couldn't be in the everyday. Yeah. Um, as loud and flamboyant and the star of the show. The, the, um, the thing that jumps into my mind is Monty Python. Um, some of some of those um, male performers in that show frequently would dress up as women for the roles. And like, it, it wasn't a gag that they were dressing up as women. It's just that they were playing women, you know, on the show. And, you know, it was often never explained why or, you know, it's just, it was, and, you know, it's just really, I thought that was, the, I don't know if that relates in any way. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was part of what was happening, right? Is that people were allowed to dress in different ways if they were performing. So one of the things to think about, so we'll get back to Stonewall and a little bit before it, that there were all sorts of cross-dressing rules. So hmm. you could not dress as a woman. Uh, if you were a man, you couldn't dress as a woman. Um, that was considered cross-dressing and it was against the law and they would measure it out if you had three articles of clothing or more that were of the opposite sex oh my god um, you could be arrested mm -hmm. however you could cross-dress if you were performing hmm. uh, okay and so part of where you get some of the lip syncing and some of that performance aspect of drag is that that was a way for people who wanted to to still cross-dress um and do it Without, I mean, they could still be dragged out in front for being for, for being associated with a queer or a gay bar, um, but they wouldn't be arrested for being a crossdresser. Mm -hmm. um, so there, it, it's a tangled history. Um, but a lot of the parts that I like about drag are that it's a fun, it's a performance. You're seeing somebody's art. Um, I have tried to do drag makeup. It's hard, mm -hmm. um, but drag is also a really transgressive art form, which is what I like about it. It is, um, so like Horace mentioned, it's doing things bigger. It's pointing out the absurdity of some of these gender roles or um, aspects of gender that we've defined, that we've created. So mm -hmm. are women supposed to have big, tall hair? Well, then do it three feet up, right? Um, yeah. Make it, like exaggerate it to point out how absurd it is. Um, when you talk about um, sort of the, the more famous drag performances you're talking about divine mm -hmm. um <laughs> of movie fame so like all of the weird gross strange things that 
divine did, but when it was all still critiquing, it was still making people go, ooh, um, and then think. Hopefully the, the thinking part also occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like getting a reaction, a strong reaction, and then making people think about what their assumptions are, what their thoughts are. Um, so I personally tend to gear, at least in my appreciation of it, I, I tend to, to like drag that is socially conscious, that is making a point, that is active in the queer communities um, that it's in, just for that reason. But um, there are plenty of other forms of drag. There's um, less socially critical drag. There's all sorts of ways it can take shape. Mm-hmm. Hors, do you have a way that you think of the types of performances that you put on? Would you put them in any specific category? Are you trying to um, do more social commentary? Are you trying to do just more fun shows? Is there a... How, how would, how would you frame the experience you're trying to provide to people? I would say I use drag so that I can use my sociology masters. <laughs> <laughs> every, every show that I have, we talk about issues. We talk mm-hmm. about consent. We talk about sexism. We talk about racism. We talk about isms generally because people look at bodies. People look at actions. People look at performances and they take things for granted. Like, for instance, everyone that goes to a drag show may think drag is like only men dressing up as women when drag, in fact, is often women dressing up as women. Like it's men dressing up as men. It's women dressing up as men. It's people dressing up as non-binary characters or genderqueer characters. There's lots of different gender variations that go into a performance of drag. And so when I do shows, I highlight that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to tell these people these kind of subtle things about gay culture and the ways you're supposed to interact with people? And I don't know. I, it, it feels like a responsibility mm-hmm. to entertain as well as educate. Mm-hmm. I just want to jump in because Horace is being modest. Yeah. Um, they are able to do exactly what you just said. They're able to educate and make a socially conscious show, but also keep it fun. So like, it's not an either or you don't have to be socially conscious and, or you can be fun. You can be both. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's the best, that's the best kind of message, right? That kind of, I think gets to you in an, in in, in a way that you're not quite realizing, right? It's getting through to you and, you know, without beating you over the head with it. It's easier to change minds that way too. I mean, some of my biggest, fans that I have now are people I wouldn't expect like there's a guy who comes to every single VFW show I do he's 75 years old (laughs) he only has ever come to anything I do he was in the military he grew up very conservative and you know every time he has a question about something he comes up and he asks me like he's like okay that person right there I don't know if they were born a man or a woman and then I'm like well does it matter and he's like no, but I just want to know what to call them. And then, you know, we go over the thing of, well, you ask them their pronouns and they'll tell you what to call them. Mm-hmm. And it's just something no one would have ever told him before. He didn't have the experience. He wouldn't have been in a place just to ask those questions. So I, I think it's just important to leave that open. Yeah. And how, how do you, go ahead. do you recruit people for your show or do people approach you that they want to do it? Like how do, how do you get a group of people 
<clears throat> of performers to, to, to be part of, you know, your shows? So when I started doing shows, we put ads on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, it was word of mouth from people who knew people because it's hard to start out in any drag community when there's already established people. Mm-hmm. So I just started my own thing. And then from that, I've trained people. I'm very conscious about training people who we don't see in our shows. So if you're not seeing enough of like a certain type of person, if you feel like people are underrepresented, I want to find those people and I want to bring them in so that you can see them in the show. Mm -hmm. It's really important to me to provide mentorship, but also opportunities to people who may not have those in their tiny hometown. How did you get started? I just started, honestly. <laughs> I worked I worked in a gay bar for a long time and it was a it was a drag bar and we used to do this thing called switch night. Mm-hmm. So the people who worked in the bar staff would dress up and the queens would do the bar staff stuff. And we'd like put on a show, they'd tend the bar. And so that's how I started in drag. But coming here, I just I was like, you know, Northampton's really accepting of queer people, mm-hmm. but where's the sexy? where's the fun? Mm-hmm. Like right. I want to have fun in my community and it didn't exist in a way that beat me over the head. So I went for it. Do you have more than the one character? I'm just whores all the time. <laughs> <laughs> are you stomping Jen? Are you thinking about performing? Who me? Yeah. Oh me? No, I hate getting in front of people. Yeah. <laughs> I hate getting in front of people. Huh? I said I'm also a super huge introvert. We could teach you. Does does putting um, whores? Does putting the makeup on change that for you in any way? Once you're in costume, do you feel? How do you feel when you're in costume? Different? I think whores is the best parts of me exaggerated, right? So whores is the the queer kid who didn't grow up bullied, who is confident enough to stand up for themselves all the time, who just loves everyone and wants people to kind of make the effort to get along and understand each other. Whereas is a bitter, bitter, bitter grad student dropout (laughs) working working in a field where people in privilege may not be the nicest. So it's nice to, you know, shake off the society garbage and just kind of be your core human. Yeah. And your partner makes all your costumes or you do it in conjunction? My partner is a mad genius. He's not only like a really brilliant burlesque artist, but he makes everything that I wear now, including those giant bows that I put on. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing he's not doing currently is my wigs. (laughs) That's awesome. And they're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I see one of I see one of your bows and wigs on the shelf um, behind you. We're in my drag room right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's see, awesome. That's our outfit. That's one of his burlesque outfits. Nice. Now, I think I'm thinking about the idea of allyship and how allies can help, right? Um the last two podcasts we did, we had a lot of conversation around how um, allies who are interested in being anti-racists can help there. Um, but people, I mean, people who feel supportive of the LGBTQ plus community, um, 
what what are some things that we can do to to really help raise conscience to raise consciousness i can't is it conscience or consciousness conscience conscience Con- <laughs> don't fuck me up <laughs> all right pores and juicy you gotta step in and save us here consciousness consciousness, consciousness. thank you thank you juicy <laughs> i think the same i think in general it's the same like allyship is pretty much the same across the board so it's really about listening to the people who are speaking, centering their voices, understanding their needs. Um, so the same thing, you know, if you're white and you're walking into a black space, if you're straight, you're walking into a gay space. If you're a man, and you're walking into a space for women. Um, if you're cisgendered and you're walking into a space for trans people, you walk in and you listen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about a, it's not about putting your guilt everywhere and saying I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for. Th- Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, you should be sorry. We should all be sorry <laughs> for supporting these systems. Um, but we want to move beyond that, right? Because just getting out your guilt just makes all the people around you feel bad too, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so listening to people, um, understanding what their community means and making sure that their voices are the ones that are heard. So lifting up, um, supporting. Um, I think when it comes to... Um, queer, gay, um, like all of those sort of, this this queer community, LGBTQIAA, other letters that I'm forgetting and some letters that we haven't even come up with yet, but will be added as soon as we can. Um, Like all of those things, it's just really understanding that this is a community that has been oppressed pretty much from the get-go, just like most, um, that it's full of divergence so you'll have some people who say i am gay there are some people who say i'm a lesbian there are some people who say i'm queer um respecting that and learning and it's a process that whole alphabet soup is not easy to Mm -hmm. disentangle and sometimes like there's disagreements like a is twice why (laughs) um because we've we've been adding and so what is even like all of these things are all conversations that are happening so it's it's important to understand that these things are ongoing they're going to shift um, when there are victories, when we hit a milestone, there's going to be more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not one quick fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think educating, uh, I think good allyship actually happens outside. Um, so good allyship actually happens where there are no queer people or there are no black people. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's in a space where we don't have a voice at all. Um, or maybe there are folks in the community there, but they don't have a voice because they're afraid of reprisals, they're afraid mm-hmm. of retaliation, whatever it is. So if you have that the, the privilege to speak up for people when they're not in the room um, right. and, you know, sort of bring that conversation where we can't get it. Yeah. Like go to vigils in your predominantly white community. Yeah. Like, so let's <laughs> say your friends says something transphobic and it's just in passing and you're sitting there with two other people like you could ignore your friend or you could be an ally and be like hey that's actually pretty transphobic Mm -hmm. here's several reasons why you should digest this information and those those are the important ally conversations right just like you was saying those are the places we aren't there to be that person educating so when you're an ally you got to step up Mm -hmm. yeah Sorry, this is. Can we ask about the J.K. Rowling situation? Oh, please. Because I know you had like a big post about it. Yeah, I mean, your your podcast too. Ask whatever you want. 
<laughs> yeah, that J.K. Rowling nonsense. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us your thoughts on that, please? It's so disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's like someone writes this kind of, and I haven't read the books. So I'm going to just be that person. I haven't read the Harry Potter books, but I've seen the movies. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't either, whores. So you're okay, in good, good company. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, like someone creates this idea of these these people who are overcoming this kind of dark leadership who's very anti certain things. And then you have this author who is taking trans people, particularly trans women, and just raking them across the coals and saying, you're not women. You don't have periods, so you're not women. Like every woman has a period, first of all. And it's just like, it's it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. I, mm, I'm mad about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, the thing, her letter was so insidiously hateful. That's the thing that really got me. Like the thing that stuck out to me more than anything was at the very end, she goes through this, you know, um, from her perspective, probably very eloquent explanation about, you know, why her her transphobia is justified, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, like, she does this, like, really hateful comparison of um, trans folks to her fictional characters. I don't know if you picked up on that. It's like in the la- second to last paragraph, like, she compares um, trans people to her fictional characters. And it was just, like, such a, a hateful like insidious last stick of the knife on her way out the door with her, you know, her justification. Ugh, it got me so mad. And it was so unnecessary. It's like you needed to do this while we're having these huge Black Lives Matter moments while it's also Pride Month. Like, right. yeah. Why? And I mean, I think this is like, I mean, this isn't the first time that the, J.K. Rowling has stepped into this arena of turfiness. Um, and one of the things that, you know, part of part of being an ally, part of being a supporter, um, even just part of being what I would say is just a decent person at this point is just learning. If you make a mistake, you, you apologize for it and move on. And instead, she's done exactly what, you know, I found with my students when I would introduce them to Judith Butler and all of these other um, social thinkers and all of this research sort of questioning gender and identity, um, they double down, dig in and go, I will not go further. Um, And that's what happened again. And at some point you just go like, well, you know what? (laughs) No. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, if you look up her other pen name, it's Robert Galbraith or something like that. Mm-hmm. She named herself after the guy who created gay conversion therapy. Yeah. Which Are you f- fucking kidding me? And he writes mystery novels or something like that under Robert Galbraith. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's just like what? another fucking... Yeah. And, right, and, and she ha- she had to be aware of that, right? There's yeah, no... Yeah. Out of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's just a bunch of baloney. Bull baloney, as Space Unicorn likes to say. Yeah. Bull Our daughter, baloney. Space Unicorn. She like her favorite saying is bull baloney. Um, <laughs> <love> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like we were explaining to her about the Supreme Court decision and why it was good. Yeah. And she was like, just the her eyes, like, what do you mean? 
What do yeah. you mean? Yeah. That's just bull baloney. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And despite, I mean, and this is despite the fact that we, I mean, we do have a lot of conversations in our home about these issues too. Well, plus we have a lot of gay friends. We do. I mean, I'm not saying that's like pat ourselves on the back or anything. I mean, we literally have a lot of gay friends that we socialize with. Right. So their exposure level has been high to yeah. other, you know, other types of um, family. What do they call those? Nucleuses? Family units? I don't know. what. The, what yeah. it, what's the socio- sociological uh, term for that? Families? Whatever. <laughs> I think I think families is, is, right. is a good word. Whatever. You're doing fine over there. All right. So... So I heard you say like a book and stuff like, so what resources can people use to educate themselves on, um, you know, the, the histories and um, uh, other resources that people can tap into to kind of learn more if they're interested? Oh, there's so many. Um, if you want documentaries, I am a huge fan of uh, Before Stonewall mm-hmm. um, and um Screaming Queens, mm-hmm. uh, which is about the Compton cafeteria riots. Um, I mean, the internet is your friend. So <laughs> go look it up. <laughs> there's so much. Uh, I mean, depending on like, I could list out, you know, mm-hmm. academic articles or like, um, I mean, there are historical fiction um, or not sort of, what am I thinking of? Like Milk, um, where it's like a, mm-hmm. you know, yep. a movie about a particular right. point in um, biopic is that what they call those yeah biopics yes, <laughs> it wasn't like historical fiction. Um, i always call all- them biopics and <laughs> people look at me funny but i think it's biopic i feel like it's bi- biopic works um like there are um oh what is the oh horse help me out what's the the one about the trans woman who lived on is it 35 uh, it's the one where she like had basically a home that she created for queer people. And then Netflix did like a reboot of it too. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Is that the one that's set in San um, Francisco? Yes. It's in the city. It, yeah. Yes. In the city. Thank you. Uh, yeah, which with is Laura Linney. Yes. <laughs> we tried watching it. Cause somebody recommended it. Yeah. And it was just, the acting was so terrible. It wasn't the content. It was just the <laughs> acting was like, Oh my God. Um, there is a reboot that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out on Netflix, um, or you can read the books as well. They're really good. Yeah. Um, there are first-person accounts. Um, there are shows like Pose, mm-hmm. um, which really highlight queer and people of color and how those are the folks who are sort of at the forefront of what was cool um, in the queer community as well. And just backing off of our. Will you say that piggybacking off of? I don't know. It seems like I'm drunk, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, you don't seem you don't burning. seem drunk at all. Yay! What was that? Uh, Paris is burning is something. Paris that is burning. Pose. It's it really gives you this documentary of ballroom culture and mm-hmm. a time where the AIDS crisis was also rampant, and so much of current pop culture borrows from Paris is burning. Oh wow! And that's a that's a documentary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess we wouldn't be good if we also didn't say that there's a little bit of a critique. So, yeah, think about. Um, so, the person who made the the documentary um, was a white, straight, not part of the community person that came mm-hmm. in, and 
a lot of the folks who were in that afterwards felt like they were sort of, again, like that animal, mm-hmm. um, they were on display. Mm-hmm. Um, so go in with that, with that lens, but also understand these were real people. Mm-hmm. Um, this was their experience. It, it's really powerful um, in terms of, of those, of capturing that moment and that energy that we have built off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking about critiquing things, um, Stomping Jen and I are, we'll talk about this in just a few seconds. We're watching um, Pose. We're well into season two now, and we were looking up uh, some information about the show. We went to Wikipedia, right? Um, I was interested in learning more about the actors. And like, I noticed the two actors who got top billing were. You did, thank you. The top three. The top three were all the white. Um, straight, straight um, actors who had small roles yes. were all above the black transgender all actors. All the black and colored people. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. Yeah, um, Who carried the, um, who actually carry the show who on their like backs. were like the main yeah. protagonists in the show. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. we, we were so, we were so enraged. Yeah. It's a Ryan Murphy show, right? Yes. Yeah. Ryan Mur- Murphy is historically very that. I mean, we we're not friends or anything. We haven't chatted in a while, but <laughs> his shows are very focused on white gay experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, sorry. This is like a complete aside and has nothing yeah. to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, but go ahead. <clears throat> we've watched a couple, a number of Ryan Murphy shows, and I, we're like. He gets to this point in the season, like not the first season, it's always like somewhere else that like the show just like takes some weird left turn and like goes off the deep end. And you're like, what the fuck? It was such a good show. <laughs> Am I still watching it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It happens like with every show of his. Yeah. Every all of his shows. Of yeah. his. Nip Tuck was like, ugh. Yeah. We stuck that one. We stuck that one through think, though. Did to we the finish end. that we one? We did finish that one. Oh my God. Yeah. Nip Tuck. We made it through the end of that one. Um, I mean, I think Ryan Murphy suffers from a thing that a lot of um, a lot of gay men focus on when we're doing productions or things like that, and it just becomes overproduced. And we want to do something super fun and dramatic that no one would ever see oh or God. think about, and then all of a sudden it takes that swerve. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just overproduced. Like if somebody had like sat him down and been like, mm, no. "No, just no." <laughs> whole thing could have just been avoided yeah not <laughs> necessary thank you very much yeah. I, I think i think he has a i'm ryan murphy moment on yeah. each of his shows and yeah. i'll do what i want to do he really really yeah. does <laughs> all right anything else um you want to cover under the umbrella of pride i mean we've we've gone an hour and a half if you can believe it Um, I lost. Um, I think one thing that I do want to touch on because we have um, now we have so the original Pride uh, flag Mm -hmm. was created, and each color had a different representation or different meaning. Um, But the whole flag became the the gay flag, the Pride flag, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think one of the things that we're seeing is as we recognize how many movements are really basically fighting the same fight we're all in the same struggle and how many how much overlap there is um in all of the different civil rights movements we have the progress flag now which Mm -hmm. is really nice 
it highlights the trans flag as well as including the Philly pride colors, which are black and brown, recognizing the contribution of black and brown people to this movement, in addition to the, um, to the other beautiful colors of the rainbow and all their meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of the, we are all evolving. We are all learning to be better people um, and to be more inclusive in our communities. And it's a process. And mm-hmm. so now we have, you know, there was a, a couple of years ago that the Philly pride came out, uh, the Philly pride flag came out and there was a huge backlash. There were a whole bunch of, of gay white men who were like, Oh no, don't put politics into my pride. <laughs> is that, yeah. I remember that controversy quite well. What? The what? Controversy. <laughs> okay. Controversy. Fine. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. But- so the progress flag. Um, yeah. So okay. like we're, we're all evolving. Um, mm-hmm. We're all learning. It's a process. It's not just, so if somebody uh, maybe walks into a space and they hear a whole bunch of words that they don't know, it's okay. Nobody knew those words when they walked in there the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those things change too. So I personally, I love the, when people describe themselves as gender fuckery or gender fucks or gender fucking, I love it. It's great. It's so much more fun to me than gender fluid. I'm not going to make anyone identify as it though, but like, just like, I just like, wait, that's a possibility. That's an option. Like, let me go check that out. <laughs> See, that sounds like a cool club. I like um, that. Gender fuckery. Gender fuckery. I like it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just all of pride is just a chance to, to relearn the past but also to look forward to what we can do and what we can be. Um, and the recognition is going to take some work. It's not yeah. easy, mm-hmm. but we can all do it. Okay. I Thanks, Juicy. That. Yeah, thank you. Horace, anything um, you want to add at the end here? I got nothing. I've talked so much. <laughs> and thank you. I, no, I mean, really, um, I appreciate it. Um, Especially, we appreciate, we appreciate this. Yeah, you know, we're recording this at the end of a long work day, so having anybody willing to spend more than an hour and a half with us. Yes. Now we do have this silly segment we do at the end, um, where we talk about just what we're watching on TV, listening to music, that kind of thing that we want to rec- want to recommend to people. So yes. we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it real quick. He has a bumper. This is my bumper. I he really wanted you to hear my bumper. He's very, very I'm very obsessed. proud of my, my segment bumpers. <laughs> All right. This one's very long, yeah. though. So I'm going to fade gonna it out. We're going to fade it out. Fade it out. She won't let me play my bumpers. All right. Um, so as we mentioned, we are yeah. finishing the rest of Pose. Yeah, we're... Season two. In season two... It's we're um, sticking whoops, it out. I need to fade a little more. Um, we're sticking it out. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, First season's incredible. Yeah. Um, I love the show. Yeah. I think um, it has really challenged me in some ways. Um, you know, kind of, um, how do I want to frame this? I think I was uncomfortable at first when I started watching it because I haven't seen a lot of depictions of, um, in, in, I don't being conscious that it is a, it is a white male, um, a gay white male who makes this show. I don't know if the depictions in it, um, are, are authentic or they can be representative of any 
group of people. I just want to say that, but um, I have n- not been exposed to a lot of um, shows that feature, you know, that kind of um, open, um, you know, um, uh, same gender expressions of love and affection and sex and, um, you know, transgender people. And um, it was, you know, I have to say, like, when I first started watching it, you know, like, I was sort of feeling maybe, like, a little uncomfortable. Did it feel voyeuristic to you? Um, I just didn't quite, like, know how to... F- I don't know. Like, I felt... I don't can't quite say why I felt uncomfortable. Like, I haven't been able to get to that. I have therapy tomorrow. I'm going to talk about this with my <laughs> therapist, actually. <laughs> um, but, no, um, but, at, at, you know, a few episodes in, that kind of, like, disappeared for me, right? And I'm, like, really not even conscious anymore, in a sense, of um, of that. You know, I, I don't know how to quite say it. I don't it. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Like, the show made me, just made me it initially... challenged your it, perceptions of people. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> um, now I just love the show, and, like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I just Because it's, like, insight into a whole other culture that people. we don't get... Yeah. We're not, we're not pretty yeah. to see. I mean, and, uh, you know, I laugh at Sawtooth because he... I was like, oh, the best part of this show is the soundtrack. And he's like, I don't, I don't know any of these songs. I'm like, didn't you grow up in the same era as me? I don't understand how you don't yeah. know any of this music. I know the songs in season two. Well, because it's in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's uh, old. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I'm younger yeah. than you, and I knew the music. But anyways, like, I just, I absolutely love the show. So you guys have seen the show or no? Because I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, I, my, I just, I love in second season when they're talking about like Madonna and Vogue and like when yeah. Vogue came out and like how it was like they were so excited that it was going to bring yeah. uh, the ballroom culture into the mainstream, um, and they were going to get some recognition. That was such an interesting, yeah, concept because I would have been like, "Fuck you, get away!" Like the looky losers they called them, you know, like that they yeah. stormed the ballroom. I'd be like, "Get the fuck out." Yeah. This is our thing, right? But they loved it. In the show, they loved it. I don't know if that was true in real life. I have no idea. I'm not even real. I'm not asking anybody. I'm just yeah. <laughs> speculating out loud. I have no idea. Yeah, but then all the white ladies at the YMCA right, all the wanted to take the, the Vogue classes. Right, and then it... Yes. The Vogue, dan- the <laughs> the Vogue, Vogue dance. The Vogue dance classes. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of the, the transmission, though, right? So, like, I'm not going to say that queer people of color are the only people who have fun, great ideas, but a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> we do fun stuff, and we get involved, and we make something that's really great. And then, you know, in this case, like, here comes a white lady with a little bit of power, and she takes it, and then right. all of a sudden, it's a cool white thing. Right. <laughs> and... You know, it's it's no longer the bad thing that it was. It's no longer the dishonorable, or distasteful, or disgusting. Right. It's like, oh yeah, that that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same with drag, right? Like RuPaul's Drag Race comes on, all of a sudden, drag's biggest fans are twelve-year-old white girls, oh and you're like, gosh. how did this happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's crazy. Pop culture is crazy. Yeah. So we were debating. Does anyone know? Is there a season three of Pose out? Does anyone know? We couldn't. We were talking we about this last night. We didn't bother to look at it. This we is a lazy question. Look. We're just. I haven't seen the season three. Okay. All right. I'm gonna Google it now. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you, Internet. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. It's not out yet, but I could be. Yeah. Well, I think because I told you, so what I had watched season one of Pose like months and months ago, and then he was like, oh, we should watch it. And yeah. I said, I'm pretty sure I watched all of it already. So I didn't realize that I hadn't seen season two because that was out on FX yeah. at the same time. I mean, the thing that I didn't anyway. even know what it was about. The uh, thing yeah. I saw a headline that said, you have to watch this uplifting show. Uplifting? That. Well, that's what I read. And I was like, we had just, we had just finished watching a series that I was really, really taken with called Patriot on Amazon prime. Um, it's a spy show. That's not really a spy show. And um, if you want to hear more about it, go back a few episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you you'll heal about me. It you, you will hear me wax on for a long time about it. But, um, anyways, I had no idea what really what it was about and started watching it yeah. and fell in love with it. So. Yeah. But last night we watched um, Vast of Night. The Vast of Night. Do you like science fiction? I do. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is on Netflix? No, it's no, on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah. Called Vast of Night. It's really good. It's a movie, but it sort of feels like a extended um, uh, Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Um, it's new, and it's another thing I saw advertised as like the best movie of the year. Yeah, no, it was the, really good. The first half of it goes so fast, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on? Why am I watching this? I have no idea." And then it sort of slows way down, and then yeah. it sucks you in, and then yeah. it ends, and then you're like, <gasps> "What just happened? It's crazy!" Yeah. So, anything you all want to recommend? Start with whores. So if you love Pose, you should find a friend who has HBO, which is what I did. And I've been watching this show called Legendary, which is where Ooh. actual ballroom houses are competing against each other. Oh. Actual ballroom competition. I think they started with like 10 teams and they're on week three right now. Okay. But it is phenomenal. It is so good. Are they like a are actual, like real ballroom? Um... Oh, yes. Okay. They're all real ballroom houses that come to compete in a bunch of different categories. And it's really interesting to watch because like the judging panel is one person from ballroom and then three kind of celebrities who don't have as much ballroom experience. So you okay. see her educating them a lot and explaining the challenges and kind of like figuring out what ballroom's really about mm -hmm. for these viewers who have never seen it before which is great oh cool cool we'll check it out yeah legendary on hbo and also awesome. if you want to see drag that will challenge your views of drag you should watch dragula hmm. dragula is kind of like a drag show meets fear factor and they do a bunch of crazy drag things that you'd be like i didn't even realize that was something you could do with drag oh cool Okay, Dragula. What's that on? What? It's I think Dragula is on Netflix right now. Netflix. But oh, nice. Okay. Netflix and YouTube. Oh, and YouTube. <laughs> awesome. So many streaming services. It's hard. And then you know, if you like music, I'm big into recommending black and queer artists right now. Mm -hmm. So 
need to get on Big Frida like it was 10 years ago. Because Big Big Frida is influencing Beyonce right now. She's influencing Drake. She's like influencing all these mainstream, huge, successful pop people. But they're not featuring her face, just her voice. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay, Big Frida. Is that, how do I spell the last name? F-R-E-E-D-I-A, I think. Oh, I was way off. Okay, awesome. Okay, Big Frida. All right, what about um, um, Juicy? What about you? Oh, well, you stole my, uh, <clears throat> my Dragula recommendation. I'm sorry. Uh, and one of the great things, I'm going to second Dragula because it also highlights, it's not just, if you go through all the seasons, it's not just all cis men mm-hmm. um, that are performing, but it's got all of the, it's got drag queens, it's got drag kings, it's just got drag performers. Um, who are non-binary. It's wonderful. Um, and it's weird, which is also great. And the Boulay brothers put on a great show. They also do a Halloween show in Boston, if people are ever interested in going. More than happy to drag along. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of TV shows or things on Netflix, um, I would recommend Disclosure. I just watched it two nights ago. Um, it's a documentary, but it's, um, about trans representation in media. Um, it does touch on all of the other things. So race and, mm-hmm. and sex and, um, power, um, and, you know, trans erasure and all of those things. Um, I also like when there's a queer, like when there's a queer moment in movies or film or when there's, when it's, when it's there, but it's not the center of the story mm-hmm. because like we're queer people. We are, we, we live right. <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah. So on Netflix, both She-Ra and mm. there's a show, uh, Kipo and the age of wonder beasts. Mm-hmm. And they both have queer characters and the queerness is just sort of there. Yep. It's not like, it's not the thing that moves the story along. Um, and I'll also say, if you don't mind watching foreign mil- uh, movies and you're able to sort of go with the subtitles, The Way He Looks, uh, which is on Netflix, or at least it was, um, is really good. Um, and it also is about ability. It's uh, Without giving away the plot points, there's a, a blind child in Brazil. Okay. Um, and he's sort of coming of age. <laughs> I, I just have to comment. So Space Unicorn, our daughter... Um, uh, I was like, we should watch She-Ra because I heard good things about it and I love She-Ra growing up and blah, 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 blah. And so we watched the first episode together and then she proceeded to like binge watch the entire mm-hmm. thing. She loves and it. And I was like, you totally watched that without me. And she's like, I'll watch it with you again. And I'm like, nope, you watched it already. <laughs> so mad. But yeah, I'll go back and watch it with her. It's a good, I mean, it's got a little bit of the nostalgia from Shira. You're like, hey, I recognize those names. They might look a little different. There's a lot of messages of empowering um, young women, which is great. And again, without spoiling things, there's some queerness, but it's thrown in. It's not a plot point that moves the, the show forward. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just is. Yeah. Netflix is so good at that right now, too. That Netflix is full of really tangentially queer things that just make you go, Oh, look, representation. That's fucking great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll be honest. He's done. 
I'm exhausted. He's like, I can see that yeah. look in your eye. Like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is because I had to do a lot of thinking here. And I think that's a... That's, that's a, a good podcast. That's, that's a, a, good podcast. a good podcast. I mean, you, you know, smoke was pouring out of my ears. So. <laughs> so silly. All right. Well, I want to just take a minute at the end here to thank these fine guests. Yeah. Did you ask them if they want to promote anything? Oh, <laughs> Stomping Jen, uh, thank you. You're the best. Um, whores divorce. I didn't screw that up once, by the That's way. Great, congratulations. Is there anything you would like to promote as we are on our way out? So once we're out of quarantine, you can come visit me for drag brunch with whores and friends at Slancha Restaurant in Holyoke, Massachusetts. We do one show a month there you can also find me at the majestic saloon for divorce court charity drag show and at the florence vfw for the house of horrors productions which include bon appetit burlesque and i will say um the drag show that i attended at schlanta was amazing it was a lot of fun i had never been to one before as i said before I didn't know what to expect, and it was a blast. Yes. Don't go to any other shows other than mine, or you'll be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. If you go to any, yeah. If you go to another show, you get this. That's right. Don't do it, people. Only whores divorce shows. Got it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, thank you, whores. I really appreciate you coming on here to talk with us. Um, thank you both for having me. Does Juicy have anything he wants to promote? Juicy D. <laughs> I know I should, but I don't have much to promote at the moment. So just promote your awesomeness. Yeah. Um, and all of the virtual prides that you see all across Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, anything like that, go watch, learn, engage, support those organizations, especially now, um, because a lot of them rely on in person donations and they can't do that right now. So, yeah. So, and you'll have a good time. It's fun to watch people do what they do. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Juicy, thank you so much. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. Okay. No and listeners, you know we love you. We love you. We love that you are there <laughs> listening, <laughs> receiving our knowledge and our sounds into your ear canals. Oh, my gosh. Penetrating your ears. Oh, my Lord. With our words. Our children are. We love you. Are losing their shit upstairs. All right. All right. (laughs) Whores, juicy. Thanks again. And be well, okay? We love you. And we love you all. Bye now. Bye now.
that all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth, and that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 